I'm not sure whether it would be a blessing or a curse to know that you had only a couple of weeks to live. As we have been going through the earthly life and ministry of Jesus, he has been ministering for what we believe is approximately three and a half years. He's now coming close to the end of that earthly life and ministry. And so things that happen, I think, take a particularly strong significance. And things that we, he says and does, I think we should take even more important, although what Jesus said at first and what Jesus says at last is equally important. And so we should always listen to him. But we'll find in Mark chapter 10, as Jesus has been going from various places in Galilee and other areas, making his trek towards Jerusalem, that we see that he's getting close to Jerusalem. And in verse 46 of Mark 10, it says this, Then they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with the disciples, I want to stop there because there is a difference between some of the Gospels and this Gospel about Jesus' movement here. Some say that he's entering Jericho when this happens, and others say that he's leaving Jericho when this happens. And so people who like to try to find fault with the Scriptures say, ha ah, inconsistency. I can think of two reasons why it would seem inconsistent and not be. Reason number one, on any one day I have left Westminster and come back to Westminster and left Westminster on more than one occasion. When you are busy, you move around. So you can enter someplace, leave someplace, and enter someplace all in the same day. But there's a second possible reason and explanation as well. There are, ready for this, two Jerichos. There is a Jericho that Joshua went around and fought the battle and the walls came down. There was that Jericho. There was also a Jericho that was built by Herod where he had a palace and other places. And so it simply could be that Jesus was passing through the archaeological Jericho going to the new Jericho. So there are some explanations to why the Gospels would have what would appear to be, and I say again, what would appear to be inconsistent. The problem is more information. And so as he's leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large crowd, with a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Now, most people think Bartimaeus' name is Bartimaeus. That's not his name. Bar means son. Timaeus means the name. So, Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus, and we're kind of told Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus. It's kind of like Bar Mitzvah, son of the covenant. Bar means son. So we are told that this person is the son of Timaeus. Now while we're told this, we're not quite certain. 
because almost every other occasion of Jesus' healing people, the name is never given. Now it is possible based on what's going to happen is that this son of Timaeus may become a disciple and be involved with the other disciples and so his name is brought up. We don't know. We're also told in the other Gospels that there were two blind men who were crying out to Jesus who were going to be healed. Now, again, not inconsistent. If you have two, you have one. Not inconsistent. But Mark is going to tell us about this one individual, this one blind man, who was a blind beggar. So his... And so... Uh, we're told that he's the son of Timaeus. He was sitting by the road. And obviously he's sitting by If he's a beggar, he's want to get to a place where there's a large group of people traveling, and they're going to be traveling from the Jericho region to Jerusalem because of Passover coming. And so if you're going to want to beg, you're going to want to have the most possible outcome. If 2% of the people will give you something, then the larger the group is, the more money you're going to get. So he's going to sit by the road where there's traffic going to Jerusalem. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, because here's this large crowd, and, and why such a large crowd at this particular time? And he's told it's Jesus the Nazarene. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I want you to notice something. One, he starts crying out because he knows what he's heard about Jesus, that Jesus can do something for his condition. So he cries out. But he also cries out, if you will, in faith because he didn't say, Jesus, the Nazarene, have mercy on me. He says, Jesus, the Son of David, which has messianic understanding. This blind man can see enough to know that this one passing by is the Messiah. So he cries out, have mercy on me. Now, many were sternly telling him to be quiet. You know, don't rock the boat. Jesus is an important guy. Just leave him alone. You're a beggar. Just, you know, get some money and just... But he knew Jesus could do something. So instead of being intimidated by their stern discussion, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah, you've got a crowd around you. I want you to have mercy on me. And I'm acknowledging that you are the Messiah. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they, who had been telling him to shut up, they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. And throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Now I'm not quite sure what throwing aside his cloak means. I've heard one person, one pastor talk 
about something, and I've not independently verified it, so I'm not going to say what he said. Um, it could be that in his excitement, he just tossed over his cloak so he could get there. He could have been concerned being blind, that it might trip him up, so he got rid of it. It might be, I'm leaving my past behind, whatever. But he, in his enthusiasm to respond to Jesus, removes his cloak. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Now I've, not on this occasion, but on many occasions, I'm always wondering why Jesus asked the question. Because Jesus is the Son of God. He knows the intentions of the heart of man. He knows what's down there. He knows what this guy wants. So why is he asking? But he does so almost every time someone calls out for mercy and say, what do you want? Now it could be that we just recently saw that James and John and their mother wanted Jesus to do something. So he asked them, what is it that you want from me? And they basically said, we want position." And so he's very well maybe setting this as a, a side of that. They wanted a position which apparently meant they didn't have any other needs as opposed to what this man requests. Or it could be that the crowd needs to hear what the request is so that when Jesus fulfills the request, the crowd will understand that Jesus did what was but I also think it's important that when he asked this question, based on my experience with humankind, including myself, sometimes the obvious need is not the one we say. I could very well see this guy coming up to Jesus and saying, what do you want? I want you to give me enough money and I never have to beg again. That would have fulfilled the need. I would not have to sit by this road and be shamed into having to beg for money. So if you just give me enough money, I can take care of myself and everything's fine. And there are people who think that's what their need is, and so they call out. Somebody else might say, Jesus, give me a beautiful woman for my wife. You might say, you can't see her. What does it matter if she's beautiful or not? An ugly wife would be just as good because you can't tell. And he could say, yeah, but every, all my friends would be envious, envious that I have a trophy wife. And so that's really what I want. And you'll see a lot of people who will talk about what it is that they think they want or need. But this person being, being blind knew exactly what he needed. And he wasn't as blind as we think because he already knew that Jesus was the son of David. And so he goes, what is it you want? And answering Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, teacher, I want to regain my sight. Which tells us that he saw at one time and now cannot. It might be because of disease. It might have been due to an accident. It might have been due to a number of times. But there was a period of time he could see, and now he can't. He wants to regain that sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. 
There was no period of time. There was no put bandages on and we'll wait a week and everything. He immediately regained his sight. And notice what the response is. And began following him on the road. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, could have said, I need to go home and show my dad that I can see. I need my family to understand what my now current condition is so they don't have to worry about me. I need to go and do these things. I need to go see things I haven't been able to see forever. No. This blind man follows Jesus. And he doesn't wait. He doesn't say, a week from Tuesday I'll show up. Immediately, just as in the immediacy of his healing, he followed Jesus on the road. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. We're going to see, if you will, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, could not see because he was blind. Now we're going to look at someone who was unable to see. Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho. It kind of sounds... So if it's two Jerichos, it makes sense. If it's, he's moving around, it makes sense. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He made money, not only being the tax collector, but he made money from other tax collectors making money. And he was rich. Now, if you remember a few messages ago, Jesus said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples, then who can enter? And Jesus' response was, it is impossible with man, but with God all things are possible. We're going to see a situation where with God it is possible. So here's this rich man. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Every time I read this story, I think about there was a uh, uh, backyard Bible study, VBS, uh, where I had a little song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man. That's right. And he and so he could because he was a short guy, which it can't say, he was height challenged. He couldn't see because there were all these tall people in front of him. And every time he tried to move, all these tall people kept being in his way. So instead of giving up, guess what this small statured man decided to do? So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he is about to pass that way. You see, Zacchaeus was unable to see Jesus, but that didn't stop him from trying. 
So he says, okay, my problem is they're taller than me. So I'm going to get above the situation. So he climbs a sycamore tree. But something unusual takes place. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Now obviously he had never met Zacchaeus before. Because Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Because of what he heard about it. And yet, Jesus knew exactly who he was, even by name. He wasn't the son of somebody. He was Zacchaeus. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, notice Jesus didn't say, it's a good idea that I stay at your house. It is that I must stay at your house. Apparently, the father had set up a divine appointment for his son to meet this small, statured man. And when it is an appointed time for you to meet Jesus, it's not something that you, it's not a California yes. You know what a California yes is. California yes is somebody invites you to do something and you say yes, but if something better comes along, you do that. Or you just don't want to say no because whatever. So you say yes and then you just don't show up. Not so with this. This is not a California invitation. I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. Zacchaeus doesn't just, all right, well, cool. Zacchaeus is excited about the opportunity to have Jesus one-on-one He had wanted to see Jesus. He's going to get to do more than just see Jesus. He is going to spend time with Jesus in his own home. And when they saw it, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. The son of Timaeus could not see. Zacchaeus was small in stature, was unable to see, but made a way to be able to see. But these people, having been around Jesus' teaching for over three and a half years, for having heard him teach, for having heard him preach, for having him seen miracles, for having him healed the sick and the blind and the deaf and the mute and the lame, and all kinds of diseases, and having cast out demons, and having heard that he had gone to other sinners' house, they still grumble because he's going to a sinner's house. You see, they would not. It is one thing to not be able to see because you can't. Or that you're in a position that you can't. But to willfully refuse to see what Jesus is doing. I won't say it's unpardonable, but it's bad. So 
they began to grumble, who is this man who's going to as a guest of a sinner? And notice Zacchaeus' response. It wasn't. It's Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone, anything, I will give back four times as much. I want you to know, Zacchaeus isn't, I'm a changed man. Having contact with Jesus, I'm different. Yeah, I'm rich, but I'm going to give half of what I've got to the poor. And notice Jesus never asked him to do that. When others have said, what do I still lack? Jesus said, give to the poor and come follow me. Jesus didn't even make that request. He goes, I will give half of everything I own to the poor. He goes, if I've defrauded someone. Notice he doesn't even presume that he has. He's saying, if by chance, if there's some way I have defrauded somebody, I will give them back four times. Now, even in our current law, we have what's called treble damages. So there are certain times that we say, such conduct is so egregious, whatever the damage is, we're going to make sure that you have to pay three times that. Zacchaeus, under no law that requires him saying, if I have done that, if I've defrauded somebody, if I've taken their money unlawfully, I will return it for them. I will more than do what the law requires. You see, sometimes Jesus tells people what they need to do because He knows what the issue is. It's money or possession. And in Zacchaeus' spot, before Jesus even asked, He says, I'm a changed man. I have repented. Wealth is not my master. I will give it up. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. It's not, well, let's see, it's today. It's right now. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus. Now, well, let's see what happens. Let's not see if it's genuine. Jesus knows it's genuine by the response. And then he says something because he too, he also is a son of Abraham. Started this message with Bar Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. And now we're ending with Zacchaeus, a son of Abraham. And Jesus isn't saying he too is a Jew. He is saying he too is a son of faith. The children of Abraham are not genetic. The children of Abraham are by faith. And he has seen faith in Zacchaeus and says salvation has come because of faith. Salvation has come because you are a son of Abraham. And you and I, if we've come to faith, come as a result are sons of Abraham and daughters of Abraham. We are related because we're related by faith. For you see, we are told that we walk by faith and not by sight. 
It doesn't mean that we just blindly go through and ignore reality. What it says is that if God has said something, then I believe it more than anything else that I see. And I will walk according to God's Word than reality. Because God's words are ultimate reality. God's words are truth. God's words are life. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, Jesus, towards the end now of His ministry, is talking about exactly what His ministry is all about. To seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost and now found. Throughout Jesus' ministry, He sought the lost and found them and saved them. Throughout His ministry, He taught that it is the purpose of God to leave the 99 to seek the one that was lost. To show when the woman lost the coin that she searched diligently until she found it. And how the father of the prodigal and of the son who stayed loved them both and brought them with celebration. As Jesus' ministry seeks and finds the lost and saved. So this message still has present day implications. Because there are those who can't see. They can't see who Jesus is. Jesus as a way of passing by. There are those who are unable to see for whatever reason, and Jesus will set a divine appointment. But there are others in our culture today who simply will not. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the implications are. They refuse. Because if they admit that Jesus is God, if they admit that there's any God, then they are accountable and responsible to Him, and they simply will not do it. It's not a matter of what the facts are. It's not a matter of what sight is. It's a matter of, I simply will not. That last fourth category is the most to be picked. For you see, there are all of us who are times who have difficulty. We have a blindness in our sight of who Jesus is. And there are other times that we might not be able to see who Jesus is by the circumstances. But praise God, we do not not see who He is when He reveals it.
walking by faith and not by Walking with you and not someday. Being excited that you've met and dined with you. And having done so, being changed by who you are. Sometimes I think that if we Christians actually acted like we came in contact with Jesus, that maybe other people would believe as well. Because we so often want to hold on to the past rather than leaving our cloak and following Him on the road. You see, there was no guarantee what was going to happen. He was just following Jesus. And Jesus sometimes says, I don't guarantee what the outcome is other than the outcome is your salvation and your eternal life. But whether it goes well or goes poorly in this life, it rains on the just and the unjust. Just trust me. And so I invite you, I invite me, immediately follow Jesus on that road. To cry out, just as one did earlier in his ministry, I believe, help my unbelief. I see, help my darkened vision. Help me to follow you as your disciple. Not as one who wants to. Because as we're going to sing, He is one. And He is the one who makes a way for us into the Father. I encourage you to consider your vision. To see whether it is you can't see call for mercy. Or whether it is you're unable to see and move your position to a place that you can see. But ask God that you not be the person who refuses to see. And all God's people.